0: Gospel of Luke chapter 17 verses 20 through 25 this is found on page 852 in your pew bible if you'd like to follow along with me but before I read that I invite you to bow your heads and join me in prayer. Gracious and loving God we come to you now with open hearts hopeful to hear your word we pray by the grace of your spirit that the words we hear and the thoughts of our hearts will lead us to your will for all of us as your church and for each of us as your children. Dear God, we love you. We thank you for your love. Amen. So again, Luke chapter 17, beginning with verse 20. Once Jesus was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God was coming. And he answered, the kingdom of God is not coming with things that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there it is. For in fact, the kingdom of God is among you. Then he said to the disciples, The days are coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. They will say to you, Look there, or look here. Do not go, do not set off in pursuit. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. But first, he must endure much suffering and be rejected by this generation. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord O Christ. Christ. So this past week I was away on continuing education. Thank you, by the way, for letting me be away. I had gotten in the car and drove seven hours up to North Carolina for a continuing ed event with some preacher, a preaching group that I'm in. You know, now that I'm adult, I don't mind seven-hour drives in the car, but when I was a child, they were excruciating. In fact, when we were, every Thanksgiving, we would get in our car in Greer, South Carolina, and drive seven hours to Waycross, Georgia, and I would strap myself, buckle myself in to the back of that Pontiac Bonneville, and I would beg my parents to point the air condition in my direction, I would elbow my brother and fight with him the whole way, I would beg my parents to stop and get candy at the gas station, and wonder, when are we ever gonna get there? For six and a half hours, in fact, I would wonder that, but the questions would usually start in the first hour or so. Can we go any faster? Are we there yet? When are we going to get there? You can imagine how these questions made my parents feel. Maybe you've heard those questions from the backseat of your car too. But when we'd get very close in the final stretch, uh, almost to Waycross, my dad would play a little game with us to try to help us make it through that final stretch. We would turn on the highway in Blackshear and turn towards Waycross, and he would start a countdown. Sort of like a a liftoff, but this was a a countdown to our arrival. We would make that turn, and he would say, ten And then we would drive a little further past the country club there, and he would say nine. And then we would go past the cemetery there, the cemetery where my grandparents are buried today, and he would say eight. Then we'd go past the Methodist church where he grew up, and he would say seven. Then we would turn past the football stadium where the high school team played, and he would say six. And then past the middle school where he went to school, five. And he would keep going, four, three, two. One, and he would pull into the driveway. Touchdown. We had made it. You can imagine in my mind how I was so excited, holding on to the back of my my mom's seat, looking out the windows. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Wondering, anticipating with this countdown. Well, this morning in our passage, the Pharisees are asking Jesus for a countdown. They're wanting to know when the kingdom of God is coming. They're wanting Jesus to tell them, give them the the signs, give them the countdown so that they will know when the kingdom will be here because they have been waiting for the kingdom of God for a long, long time. The Jewish people had been waiting forever, ever since King David was in the rule over Jerusalem and over the kingdom. They had been waiting for this kingdom to come, for a a messianic king to come and, and make things right, to make the world the way God had intended for that world to be. But they had been waiting for hundreds of years all throughout all those wicked kings and all throughout those exiles from the Assyrians to the the Babylonians to the Persians to the Greeks to the Romans and even to today. And they had heard Jesus say that the kingdom was coming soon and so they wanted to know, when is this kingdom coming? Well, I, I hate to tell you, but I feel a lot like the Pharisees today. Because even though Jesus said in, in other Gospels and in other places, even in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus would say things like, well, the kingdom of God is at hand. We would often interpret that as meaning the kingdom of God is coming soon. It's right around the corner. It's turning around the drive right now. The kingdom of God is just a few minutes away. But it's been 2,000 years. 2,000 years since Jesus lived and died and rose again. 2,000 years since Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand. And we, like those Pharisees, are, are still waiting, still wondering, did we miss it? Where is it gone? What has happened? Is, is it still on its way? We're watching our watches. There are even churches in the world that have a clock in the back of the church, not so that the minister can keep an eye on how long his sermon is, but because it's a symbol of we're watching and waiting for that time to count down, for that kingdom to come. This past week, in fact, I was up visiting, as I told you, up in North Carolina, and I swung through Black Mountain to visit a good friend of mine named Hane Griffin. We were two feet tall together. We've known each other forever. And he's living in Black Mountain now and has just bought a house in downtown Black Mountain that he's renovating. And I got to visit with him for a little bit, had lunch with him, in fact. And while we were sitting there, I got to see his house. And I said, hey, you're doing so well. You've just bought this beautiful house. I wish I had the know-how that you had. I wish I had the courage that you had to do something, take a leap like this. I said, how in the world did you have this kind of courage? And what he said to me was, Pratt, I just got tired of the some days, not Sundays with an n, but some days with an m. And he explained what that meant. He said, "I've said someday my whole life. Someday I'm going to buy a house in Black Mountain. Someday I'm going to uh, spend more time with my kids. Someday I'm going to spend more time with my spouse. Someday I'm going to do all those things I want to do." And as he said that, I started to think about my some days. Some days I'm going to. Do be a better person. Some days I'm going to be a better spouse. Someday I'm going to spend more money to help more people. Someday I'm going to do more with what little I have. Someday I'm going to see my family again. Someday I'm going to see my grandparents in heaven again. Someday. It's almost like a prayer for me now. That question when is like a prayer. Someday. Someday it will happen. Someday it will come. Someday this world will be what God intends for it to be. I had those same prayers when I watched the news at night. You know, someday, we're going to find a cure to cancer. Someday, that war in Ukraine, that war in the Middle East, that war in Africa, those things are going to end. Someday, this problem we have with gun violence, it's going to be fixed. I believe it. I know it. Someday, that person's going to forgive me, or I'll forgive that person. So much of our theology about heaven is about someday. Someday in the future it will come. Someday in the future it will arrive. Someday the countdown will be done, and it will be here. It will be someday. But in our passage this morning, Jesus gives us an answer to that question that maybe indicates someday is a little bit closer than we think. These Pharisees ask the question, when? That's a temporal question, a question about time, but Jesus doesn't give a temporal answer. He gives a spatial answer. Instead of saying, when the kingdom will come, Jesus says, the kingdom of God is among you. It's among you right now, it's, it's right here in our midst. The kingdom of God is among you. That's not a when question, that's a a where question. Jesus looks at the Pharisees and says, That's, don't ask when, ask where. Look around you. See if you can find it in the world around you right here and right now. So much of our theology about heaven is about the future, but maybe Jesus is indicating to us that our theology about heaven should be about the here and about the now. One of my favorite current living theologians is N.T. Wright. One of the things he says about heaven and earth is he says heaven and earth are different spaces, different types of space, but they're not like contiguous lots, like the two neighboring houses. He says heaven permeates earth. And if you think about it, when you think about our theology of heaven, that should be true. Earth is a a finite place, a broken place, a place that's full of, of decay and all of us that someday will die. But heaven, heaven is eternal. Heaven has a future. Heaven was in the past and heaven is in the present with us right now. And so there should be moments. There should be days where even right here, right now, we should be able to see evidence of the heaven of God among us. Among us, right here in our midst. The Pharisees were having a hard time seeing that heaven, and that was probably because the Pharisees were looking in all the wrong places. They thought heaven would be in those high places, those holy places, those powerful places, those pious places, those rich places maybe. Those were the places that they were looking for the kingdom of God, and they did not realize that the kingdom of God was looking at them staring them in the face with those two brown eyes, that man from Nazareth, that carpenter from Nazareth. They were looking in all the wrong places and couldn't see it right in front of their face. Maybe that's our problem too. I have a good friend who's a minister named Katie, and before she got ordained, she was a a youth director of a church. And every year or so, her youth would get together for a a lock-in. We do this from time to time. In fact, I think our fourth and fifth graders just had a lock-in a couple of weeks ago. They had a favorite game that their youth loved to play every time they had a lock-in, and it was called Finding Jesus. She had ordered a little tiny figurine online of Jesus. It was no bigger than that. And every time they would have a lock-in, she would go somewhere in their church building and hide this little figurine of Jesus somewhere in the building. And then late at night when she was ready to take a break from chaperoning these kids, she would gather everybody into the sanctuary and she would say, On your mark, get set, go, go find Jesus. And the youth would tear all throughout the church looking for Jesus anywhere they could find it. They would go into the kitchen and open the refrigerator. They would go into the nursery and look in in the cribs. They would go in the offices and look in the elder boxes. They would go everywhere. And she said every time, even if it took hours, they would somehow find this little figurine of Jesus. Someone would find it. But there was one time, one lock-in, where they did not find it. She had gathered them all together and she said on your mark and set go and they took off all throughout the church going everywhere they could think of going into the pastor's office going to the top of the balcony even going up where the organ pipes are looking for everything but finally one by one they gave up came back into the sanctuary and when they walked back in they saw it. Jesus was sitting on the front pew of the church the last place they looked Jesus was not in those high places, those faraway places. Jesus had been right here the whole time and they were so busy scattering around they didn't know that Jesus was right here the whole time waiting on them to get back. Maybe that's our problem too as we look for Jesus in the high places. We think of Jesus in the faraway places. We think of heaven as something that is still yet to come and we don't realize that Jesus taught us the kingdom of heaven is right in front of our face. It's in those people every single day who do those simple things, those selfless things, to let the kingdom of God be known here and now. Those teachers who bring an extra lunch to school every day because they know they've got that one kid that if they don't bring that lunch, that kid will not eat. Or those mothers who sacrifice every single day so their kids can have more. Those people, those neighbors who do what they can to sacrifice from their excess so that those people in need can just have their basic needs. Those people in manna who take that extra bag to their neighbor two doors down because their neighbor can't drive, their neighbor can't even get out of bed and wouldn't have food if they didn't. Those people all around us who do those important things that we take for granted. See, the kingdom of God was not found in the the high temple. He was not found in the the palace. He was not found on the throne. He was found in the manger, found in the stable, found on the cross, found eating with tax collectors and sinners. If we're to look for the kingdom of heaven among us, we have to look in those places where Jesus would go, those places right in front of our face that we take for granted every single day. Now before I end, I have to tell you there's one more interpretation of this and it's far more dangerous than the other two, the when and the where. And there's some translations of the Gospel of Luke Jesus doesn't say the kingdom of God is among you. It is translated a little differently. The kingdom of God is within you. That's not a temporal question. That's not a spatial question. That's a personal question. The kingdom of God is within you. He looks right at those Pharisees and says, the kingdom of God is within you. And I hope you see the danger of that, because if Jesus can look at Pharisees and say, the kingdom of God is within you, and that means the kingdom of God can be within anybody. The kingdom of God can be in your neighbor across the street whose trash cans are always blocking your driveway. The kingdom of God can be at that person at the deli checkout counter at, at Publix who gives you your order. The kingdom of God can be at those people on the street corner that we drive by and we just don't look at. The kingdom of God can be in those people that we see seated across the political aisle, and we don't want to look at them either. The kingdom of God can be in those children that we are called to try to raise them right so they'll be good people. The kingdom of God could be in them. But most fearful of all, the kingdom of God can be at the per- in the person that you see when you look in the mirror in the morning. That's terrifying, is it? That the kingdom of God has been right here this whole time and we didn't realize it? But here's the good news. that the kingdom of God is right here, That we can be a part of something bigger than ourselves. That's what Frederick Buechner said, and that's what he meant when he said the kingdom of God is a, a treasure that's buried deep down in us. It's that best of us that we're trying to let out. It's that light that Jesus says we're supposed to let shine. And if we let that light shine, even though we are broken, sinful, decaying people, when we let that light shine, we are a part of something that will last forever. It doesn't have a past, it doesn't have a present, it doesn't have a future. It is eternal when we take that extra moment and ask for forgiveness, or when we take that extra moment and forgive that person that we know we just can't forgive, we're doing something eternal. When we take that extra moment and feed the hungry person, when we take that extra moment and stand up to a bully, when we take that extra moment and try to live not for ourselves, but for Jesus Christ, we're not participating in this world. We're participating in the next world giving something, offering something, shining something that will indeed last forever. Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus says the kingdom of God is among you. Jesus says the kingdom of God is within you. No matter what question you ask, whether you're asking when will the kingdom come, where will the kingdom come, who is the kingdom, no matter what question you ask, the answer is always the same. The kingdom of God is closer than you think. And the only question left that we have to answer, will you be a part of it? I hope you will. To the glory of God. Amen.